0: Recorded live. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, January 7th, 2015. I'm Mike Lagello of, H- of HockeyBuzz.com, and I am joined uh, once again uh, by the former assistant general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mr. Bill Waters. Good morning, Bill.
1: Good morning, Mike. Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year to you. And uh, it seems that the Maple Leafs do their best to squelch joy, hockey joy in the city of Toronto because... Less than 12 hours after uh, after Team Canada wins a uh, victory over Russia at the ACC, winning the 2015 World Junior, uh, the Leafs dominate the news of the hockey world by uh, relieving Randy Carlisle of his duties. Um, it would be a lie to say that it wasn't expected that Carlisle was going to get dismissed at some point during 2015, but I think some people are still a little shocked that with the Leafs still in a playoff position, Uh, with, I believe, 45 points, one point ahead of the Boston Bruins, that they would pick now to fire Carlisle. But if you look at the record, they've lost seven of the last nine games. Were you surprised by the firing of Carlisle at this point in the season?
1: Yeah, I was, and only because uh, when they fired his chosen assistant and very good friend who they played junior together, uh, Dave Farish, I effectively felt that uh, Randy Carlisle was finished with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They then gave him uh, the polite extension with an option on the extension, which is the landing pad for when you were going to be fired. But I thought that they'd probably let this year go and, uh, you know, take their chances in the draft because it's pretty apparent that this team is not going to go anywhere, uh, no matter what time of the year it is, but certainly not in the playoffs. I, I don't think they're constructed in a fashion that's going to allow them to play playoff hockey, Uh, Mm -hmm. although Carlisle got them through almost one round two years ago. But I I felt that they would just let the Burke regime die a rather uh, innocuous death. Mm -hmm. And then before the draft, they would fire them all. So now they've made a move probably at the bequest of the board and or Laowicki, who I don't think has anything to say about it, But uh, I don't think there's any question that this is just the beginning of the last uh, people that uh, are Burke people. And uh, no disrespect to Burke people, but they don't want them around. Yeah,
0: to extend that point a little bit, when they did let go of Gordon and uh, Farish, and there was one other, and I can't recall his name right now, uh, but when they did let the three assistants go and they hired, you know, Peter Horchuk and Steve Spott who are now taking over control of the Leafs on an interim basis, and we don't know what's going to happen further Further, that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But when they did that, it was widely known that those were hires by Shanahan and not by Carlisle. Carlisle had a part in the interview process that did not have the final say. And at that point I had said, you know, if he, they were hiring somebody, say, like Mike Fellino, a long-time assistant coach in the NHL and a friend of Carlisle and a former assistant back in Anaheim, you know, somebody he played junior with Sudbury with, you know, if they had hired him, then I would have thought that Carlisle's tenure in Toronto might be a little longer lasting, but hiring two assistants that Carlisle really had little say in to me was the signal that, you know, he was not long for the Leaf world.
1: Yeah. That, that combined with, the firing of Farish, I think. And, and Felino was available. Felino, Farish, and uh, Carlisle had coached together in Anaheim, and Burke wouldn't let uh, Carlisle bring two assistants with him. He only let him bring one, uh, which was, you know, that's neither here nor there. But the fact that he couldn't hire Felino was a pretty strong indication that Randy Carlisle was going to be doing what he was told. And that's why he said in Winnipeg, I coach the players that they get me. This is from the guy who effectively, ipso facto, was the general manager of the team for two years. He controlled player personnel. There was no question. Now he just coaches the players that they give me, and now he doesn't coach them at all. So it was a process that was painful for Carlisle because Carlisle knows this business very well and is... very successful in it and he knew what was going down he knew why he got the type of contract he got it was Mm -hmm. his severance and uh, he was just waiting uh, for the the moment uh, to occur and and that's why i felt that in spite of people thinking that randy Carlyle would be sad on tuesday morning i I think he he was a relieved and happy man he's got another two million bucks coming to him doesn't have to work for it and not that that's his style but it certainly beats being on the street with no paycheck.
0: Mm. Yeah, and Greg, Greg Cronin was the other was the other yeah. assistant coach that was North
1: University, I think, Michael. yes, yeah, not yeah,
0: yeah exactly. Um, now the question is, and you know, Ron Wilson's name will come up a little later here because he had a interview with. Uh, our friends at TSN radio, uh, uh, yesterday, you know, first time he talked on Toronto radio and I think since he was dismissed, uh, three years ago and enlightened, uh, some people on Phil, on the character of Phil Castle. Well, we'll talk about that in a second, but to Carlisle, just finally, you know, Ron Wilson has not had an NHL job since being fired by the Leafs. Um, there are some critics of, of Randy Carlisle and his style of coaching. I'm not one of them. I actually think he's a very good coach. I, I don't buy into this argument about him winning a Stanley Cup because he had two Hall of Famers on the blue line. I think he's a, a, an excellent coach if he's given, you know, the right mix of players. And obviously I, I don't think that the right mix has been there during his tenure in Toronto. Do you think Randy Carlisle gets a job in the NHL in, the, say, the next couple of years?
1: <clears throat> oh, I think so. I think Randy has, you know, He's got big support from Burke, and Burke, regardless of what you think of him, is good to the people that he thinks can do the job, and he hires them, and he looks after them. And Randy Carlisle is a guy that I think he feels he should help. And uh, there will be people who will call Brian who are looking for a coach and ask him, and Carlisle will will be one of the first one off his lips. So I, 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 it all depends on whether Randy wants to do it again. I would I would think that he would but I, I he certainly isn't out of the industry by any stretch. He'll 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 get back and uh, he'll he'll be coaching a different group. He's not going to get himself into the quagmire that is now presented as the Toronto Maple Leafs.
0: Speaking of that quagmire, now <laughs> Peter Horchuk and Steve Spott take over um as sort of co-coaches uh starting tonight against the Washington Capitals. Um Dave have noticed in his press conference yesterday said that they would clarify the coaching situation uh, over the next couple of days uh bill it's up for, I've heard you know the names of you know Paul McClain and Peter DeBoer and Dan Bylsma and you know a few others but to me my read and my and the indications I'm getting are that they're going to stay with Horchuk and stay with Spot and stay with that until the end of the year. You know, go, basically go with Horchuk as the interim coach like he was in Florida last year, and then wait to see whether Mike Babcock truly becomes a free agent coach uh, in, the, in the summer. Well, Do you think that that's the likely course of action?
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't uh, put it better, Mike. I think uh, the Leafs will not do anything about their commitment to a new coach until the Babcock situation has resolved itself, whether they being a part of that free agency frenzy that he gets himself into or that Detroit re-signs him and that's the end of that. So I I, I think they're wise to do what they're doing. Uh, Steve Spott has got a lot of experience in coaching, so has Peter Horacek. Horacek has coached the the Panthers on an interim basis and spent a long time with the uh, Nashville Predators as an a head coach of their minor league system. Uh, so they, they, they can coach, and uh, they can coach a group that is practically uncoachable. So it's mm. not going to be a great feather in their cap, I don't think. I, I, I don't see this thing turning around because of a coaching change, and I could be wrong.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, now, moving forward, and let's,
1: let's,
0: uh, let's let's take the assumption that Babcock you know, uses the Leafs as a bargaining chip. To, to extract a little extra money out of uh, uh out of Kenny Holland and out of Mike Ilitch and stays in Detroit, which I think is the likely case, but you know if a job like a Pittsburgh opens up or if you know if he's challenged by you know the possibility of going to Toronto and and making and trying to straighten out this mess, you know you never know you can't say it's an impossibility, but let's just say for the argument's sake, he stays in Detroit. Who do you believe of the candidates that are out there and that might be out there? I mean, I've heard that Todd McClellan might be fired in San Jose, that even uh, Charlie Jacobs coming in in Boston may, you know, chop the head off of uh, Claude Julien. Um, You know, who do you think is the likely target if Babcock is not available?
1: Well, I'm a big Peter DeBoer guy. I think Peter DeBoer is an excellent coach, uh, how he ever got the New Jersey Devils to the Stanley Cup Final. It's something I hope he writes a book about. <laughs> but uh, I, the other uh, guy who I think is, uh, is, is McClelland, I, I, I just don't see them firing him. I see people getting fired above him before he gets mm-hmm. fired. I've, I've known Todd McClellan since he played for the Saskatoon Blades and he's a wonderful personality. He's a great coach. And I remember when they had those Bobby Orr, Don Cherry uh, challenges, and uh, McClellan was coaching with, with Bobby, and uh, Bobby said to me, "He said Willie, this guy's going to be a great coach." And you know he doesn't say that about everybody he meets, but he he really recognized the 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 ability of the, that uh, Todd McClellan has. I I would say it'd be a terrible error on their part to fire him uh, without checking above. That would be my first. Focus, but that's uh, that's uh, neither here nor there. But at the end of the day, uh, Peter DeBoer, Todd McClellan, they're both capable guys. Who uh, neither one of them should be fired. One already has been. Yeah.
0: Yeah and uh, I, I agree and I think McClellan was one of the best coaches in the league but you know San Jose with all the disappointments and you know it, it's a it's similar uh, similar uh, recipe in Toronto that you know that the core group of that team hasn't been able to get them uh further in the playoffs they're, they're good enough to make it but they they can't get far and uh he may take the heat along with Doug Wilson but uh you know it, it seems like Doug Wilson is entrenched there so I mean it, it's a yeah, rumor yeah. is
1: He's, he's entrenched. He has to be. Otherwise, he would have been gone. Right.
0: Um,
1: but, yeah, and the, the,
0: the one thing about the board, and then we'll move on, is, is that, um, you know, former Maple Leaf draft pick, uh, former OHL coach, uh, has a, you know, not that this would be a determining factor, but has a long standing relationship with Steve Spott. And, uh, you know, it, it, this may be way down on the list of priorities, but it is the coach that got the most out of one David Clarkson and in, in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, that albatross of a contract and the length of that contract lends itself to a coach that can get the most out of a player and make him uh, someone who can, uh, who can help the team. I mean, Clarkson's had his moments this year, but that might be a feather in DeBoer's cap, uh, you know, when mls and Ian Brendan Shanahan make a decision on who the next coach will be.
1: I hope not only because if you're focusing on one of the worst players on the team, trying to revive him, that was a bad deal. Uh, it has been proven so over the past year and a half since he's been there, and I would not worry about David Clarkson. I just find a comfortable buyout ceremony and let him go. Get him off the mm-hmm. team.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> the, the, the problem with that, Phil, is the fact that you look at – I mean, and. Uh, MLS is made of money, and if it was the pre-cap era, then I, I don't think there would be a problem with them buying out, buying him out, and paying him like four million dollars a year over the next five years, and then I think it goes down to under a million for the next five years. It's, it's a ten-year hit, but it, the cap ramifications of them buying him out—I mean, they don't get any cap relief the next five years that they buy him out. So it's basically like uh, that, yeah, yeah.
1: And I'm not talking about right. I know what you're saying, Mike. It's yeah. a very difficult one to buy out right now. Yeah. But you just have to put up with them for two or three years, and then when there's two, two, three years left in the deal, get him out of there. It's, it's, yeah. it's too painful to watch. Perfect. And You know, you sign a David Winnick, who's the better hockey player? By a country mile. Winnick or Clarkson, just tell me. It's Winnick as far as, far as I'm concerned. Winnick does more, does it better, and does it with less fanfare. And he's getting a million five, I think.
0: So yeah, that's about
1: what it. Clarkson was worth. And they paid for, and now they're saying that one team was bidding as much for them. Yeah, it was Edmonton. Edmonton is dysfunction West. Toronto is dysfunction East. That's that's the comparable, and they were both bidding against one another. So really, the base of comparison is there, but you don't like to uh, base your comparables on dysfunction. Now it was
0: <clears throat> it was pretty surprising how quickly yesterday. Focus swung from Randy Carlisle. You know the announcement came down about nine thirty in the morning, and by one o'clock, one thirty, the focus was squarely on the shoulders of Phil Kessel. Um, now we're going to talk about the roster here, but Phil Kessel is the is sort of the focus here because he's the highest paid player of the team. You know he's in the top ten of the NHL in scoring, but. If you watched the game in Winnipeg on Saturday night, you know just using that as a you know thumbnail sketch of the problems with Phil Kessel. You know he's lollygagging out the center ice while four players are in the defensive zone, and comes back too late to prevent a goal from being scored or even getting involved defensively. He takes the long route to the point off of a faceoff. I mean, granted, he played 25 minutes the previous night against Minnesota, but. You know, those are the problems with Phil Kessel. He's a brilliant scorer and a very talented player, but his work ethic and his, you know, physical, stat, physical standing are terrible. And he's starting to take the heat and amongst a number of players. I know that you relayed a story on TSN radio about um, the Leafs going to him to change positions, but just relay that story quickly about, about Kessel.
1: Yeah, the Randy Carlisle and his staff approached Kessel about switching from right wing to left wing for a couple of reasons, one of which was that Tyler Bozak is a right-hand centerman and he passes more easily, more accurately, and more effectively uh, to his left wing. Uh, Kessel's response to that was, no, I'm a right winger. So I guess a couple of weeks later, Brendan Shanahan approached the coaching staff just to talk to him. He said, you know, I'm not... I'm not one to interfere, and he hasn't been, at least to our knowledge. But he said, you know, I played as a right-hand shot in the league, played a lot of left wing, and I found it very comfortable and advantageous on the left side. Have you ever thought of suggesting that to Phil? And Coach Carlisle said, yeah, we did two weeks ago, and he told us no, which is is another nugget in itself. (laughs) But uh, they suggested that Shanahan try it on him. Well, the answer was no. And the answer is no, because I'm a right winger and I don't give a damn what's in the best interest of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's no. And the third sequel to all that, Mike, is that back in the fall, they were trying to adjust their power play as it came up the ice. And one of the suggestions was Kessel parked uh, on the right wall, should cross to the left, drag across, and because everybody's focused on him, it would disrupt the penalty killing. Uh, very quickly the answer of course was no i'm a right winger and that's what they're faced with i mean they are they are faced with a guy who as james myrtle said in the globe and mail wrote a wonderful piece about the core leadership of the leafs kessel and fanuff and stated that these two guys came to the leafs because nobody else wanted them nobody else wanted them the leafs knew what they could do they were in Kessel's case, an outstanding sc- scorer and skater and passer, but attitudinally, work ethic-wise, he was, he was flawed. Now, they also did the same with FNUF. Twenty-nine teams had a chance to get FNUF. Thirty didn't want him. The only one that wanted him was Toronto, and it was an opportunity for Berkey to look good on the deal. So they make the deal, but FNUF came with the same package, there were flaws. None of us are perfect, but these guys were flawed with attitude, bad attitude, not concentrating on what they have to do to defend their goal, and both of them have not changed a bit. They are what Burke got, and they, they are paying the price for pretending they're something else. So you, you, you've got a flaw in leadership, and you can't change it because these two guys will not change, and Kessel deserves what he's getting.
0: Well, one reporter yesterday said that there was a you know sizable split in the locker room. That's not tough to imagine. I mean, I'm not in the locker room. You're not in the locker room, so we can only only guess at you know what that split is and who that split is between. Um, you know, there were players yesterday that said you know that uh, there had to be an uptick of of the effort and the work ethic of the team. Uh, I can only imagine um, who that was in reference to, but it you know. I think it's clear that this this core group, and and the most enlightening thing, Bill, was yesterday uh, J.S. Higuere on uh, Sportsnet, Fan 590 Radio in Toronto, comes on uh, in the the noon hour, a player who played with this team just three years ago, played with Castle, played with Finuc, played with Lupul, played with most of these players, and said this team doesn't want to play two-way hockey, is more interested in playing pond hockey, Mm -hmm. and said that they will never play two-way hockey and if if that is not an indictment on the core group of this team you know to me it alleviates all almost all responsibility on Ron Wilson and almost all responsibility on Randy Carlisle if you have a group of players that will not do what it takes to play winning hockey in the NHL
1: yeah and and you know as, as much as people may not want to say it it places the emphasis of incompetence on Burke Burke acquired them all Burke put them in position to be paid in, in a minimum of five million each. and uh, this is this is what they got. And uh, the reason they got it, it was all for flash. It was the the Kessel deal was done with uh, with Nashville and Burke inter- intercepted it told the agent mm-hmm. to hold out. I'll pay you a million and a half more over four years each year. Another six million bucks if you hold out till I can get Peter Shirelli to make my deal. Which was two first round picks. And that was done. And then in the FNUF deal, you know, he was able to get Daryl Sutter because he just kept piling on players who were of little consequence. One is still in Calgary, and that's Matt Stage, and he was a young player that Ron Wilson didn't think a lot of. But the fact remains that those players were not even sought after by other teams. They knew what was going on in Calgary with FNUF. they knew what was going on in Boston. Boston had just completed a 116-point season, and they couldn't get rid of Kessel fast enough. I mean, there were red flags all over the place, completely disregarded by Leaf management. And so you don't blame anybody. You can't blame Kessel. You can't blame Funaf. They were sought after and very much aggressively sought after by the president and general manager at the time, Brian Burke. Burke. And Berkey's done a lot of things right has had a lot of success, but his acquisitions for Toronto core leadership players was not very indicative of a successful general manager.
0: Now, as you said earlier, um, one of the reasons for, for the coaching change is maybe to evaluate or see what this core group does with a different voice without Carlisle. I mean, I think it's pretty much a cop-out that you know they, they, they tuned out Carlisle and, you know, they're going to play a different brand of hockey and play, you know, better puck possession and all the all the you know the analytics are going to get it improved. Now that carlisle has gone, I think that this team is going to be what this team has been for the last three years. They're going to give up a lot of shots. They're going to be good for a while. They're going to be bad for a while.
1: You know, as as they
0: have been. But
1: oh, I, I I think you're absolutely right, Mike. They don't have the wherewithal to defend the slot area in their defensive zone. They just don't want to do. What you have to do to be a successful team you got you got to be down deep as a centerman you've got to help out in the slot the defensemen have got to be tough in the slot they cannot be pussycats and the Leafs defense uh, outside of Polak, are pretty much pussycats yeah and they're big but they're they're big pussycats and they they need they need tougher defensemen and they need bigger center Iceman that can go down in the slot and do the work that has to be done so that guys don't get pot shots from twenty feet.
0: The focus now switches though to to, to Shanahan and you know GM Dave notice. Uh you know Shanahan has not really made a lot of public statements um since taking uh, the position with the Leafs uh, back last April. It's been mostly the face has mostly been notice and maybe that's being done on purpose because uh, I think Nones is going to have to do a lot of the dirty work in the next couple months. Uh, my suspicion is is that they're going to try to start paring down uh, this roster. They're going to try to make some changes. Um, I, I don't think they can make moves like Kessel or Phaneuf in the season. It's just impossible with their cap hits. But you know, guys like Lupo, if the effort gets healthy, or Gardner, and players of that nature, I think can be moved before the deadline. I know that you said on another medium that you think that Phil Kessel and Dion Phaneuf are untradeable. I, I take a little bit of a debate in that, Bill, because I think anybody is tradable. If, if 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 Scott Gomez can be traded or Danny Heatley can be traded, I think that Phil Kessel and, and Dion Phaneuf can be traded, even though they have character flaws that
1: we. Yeah, well, many I times. mean, you used a good example, but I mean, eight <clears> years at eight million with a flawed attitude. Good luck. Good luck. For seven years at $7 million with a flawed attitude and a flawed defensive sense of how to play the game, good luck to you. Now, if they only had two or three years left, that's another story. But I maintain that if this trade is made, it will be made in a fashion that the Leafs will have to send a bonus with both of them in order for the other team to take on the salary. Or... The Leafs will have to take back salary to match the salary they send. That's not a trade. That's just an exchange. Yeah, it's a a dump. dump. It's a a dump. It's not going to make the Leafs any better. It's not going to make them – well, it makes them worse by having them there. But you need 38 goals somewhere along the line. You need FNUF's 20 minutes. But what you really need from them, you can't get. And that's leadership, and that's what makes a team. When they look up to the two purportedly best players and look up to them in a fashion that really is respectful, you've got yourself a group of guys that are willing to fight for one another and do what is required to win. And the Leafs just don't have that, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've heard the argument that, you know, if they want to move for Nuffs, Him making seven million dollars, that they would probably have to eat about two million dollars, make him a five million dollar defenseman, and then they would be able to get value back. But if you keep adding a couple million dollars here, a couple million dollars there, I mean they're already uh, taking two million dollars of a cap, almost two million dollars of a cap hit for the Tim Gleason deal. So if you add, if you add to that and then you know maybe have to take a haircut on Kessel. You're talking five six million dollars in dead money on your salary cap, and that's one yeah.
1: and, you know, and there's only the there is a limit to how much you can take on an annual basis. You know that, right. yeah. so you'd have to limit it full. You'd have to max it out, and that would be in if it happened tomorrow. That would be seven years. I think that limit is around a too. There is a percentage factor. And so let's say it's that's an eight million dollar uh, minimum, eight million for uh, for Kessel, and a million minimum six for enough I I just I, I I I don't I don't call them trades, and perhaps I did say they're untradable, and I am telling you they're untradable. But if you want to dump them, you can find a way of equating dollars.
0: Um, do you think? I mean. You know, Brendan Shanahan, you've known him for a long time. He hasn't, again, hasn't made too many statements uh, regarding, you know, the direction of the franchise. I mean, he made a statement by going to Winnipeg on Saturday night to watch the game, and then 48 hours later, Randy Carlisle is dismissed as coach. Um, so it's clear that he is pulling the strings here. Um, do you think by this time he, and this is just, you know, you knowing the man for a number of years, do you think by this time after watching this team for 40 games, in a power position that he's made up his mind that this core needs to be severely, well, in my my words, destroyed.
1: Well, I, I yeah, I think what he's doing is he's saying, okay, the story is that Randy's too tough on them. They can't play for him. He is now going through the stage between now and the trade deadline to see if there's any truth to that. And if there is, then he'll have to reevaluate some of the players that he is ready to dispose of. And in the, in the case of the Maple Leafs, if they all of a sudden put on a spurt for a month and a half, that's not a full. I mean, you're, you're going to get a little bump because of the coaching, change, usually positively. Uh-huh. But if it goes on through the trade deadline, then some of the players may have felt that they were, they weren't being treated fairly by Carlisle. I don't believe that. I don't think that that's a part of it. That's a factor of the coaching change at all. But if, Brendan wants to find out what he's got. He's got to let them play and play as well as they can without the excuse of Randy Carlisle holding them back. And as you say, Michael, if it doesn't change, and you and I are both of the same opinion that it won't, if it doesn't change, then he's got a big job of stripping down whatever he's got there. And, and how do you sign a kid like Gardner for four years at $5 million or five years at $4 million, I think it was, and yep. all of a sudden dispose of them. I mean, they, somebody in the organization, it must have been Brendan, saw something in him. And he certainly would. He certainly hasn't done anything to justify signing him to that kind of money. So there's a lot. Like, if you, you go <coughs> up and down the list, the extensions for both Kessel, Phaneuf, the signing of Clarkson, the signing of Gardner, I mean, there's four, and five is nine, and eight is seven,
0: And the, the, there's a lot of speculation that, you know, Dave Nonis is going to be the fall guy for all those extensions and the Clarkson signing because, you know, he was the one, he was the head of hockey ops. He was the one who made those decisions not to trade them, not to, you know, try to get them for shorter deals, but to pay them, you know, max amount, max length. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, um, I, I, I don't I don't think David said any. other general managers and uh it's a nice a good night break for david but uh david i i don't think he'll be there to conduct 2015 draft i don't i just don't think he'll be in toronto
0: yeah and uh you know i think we said on a previous uh web uh, podcast that uh, mark Hunter is uh, you know probably the heir apparent but i mean from what from what i've heard you know the the reason that notice is still around is because you know him and Shanahan have a rapport. Plus, he has a lot of connections in the league. But you can always find an assistant general manager with uh, connections, and yep. you know there are, there are plenty there are plenty of people out there with connections throughout the league. So yep. that's the only reason he's being kept around. I think they can they can yeah, um,
1: and he'll he'll establish his own. And Mark Hunter is there. Don't forget. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Bill, it's going to be probably an exciting couple months leading up to the March 2nd trade deadline because now you know, I know that uh, uh, a couple of the hockey insiders have said that pretty much the Leafs have let the league know that everybody on this team is available. So, you know, you're going to have rumors galore over the next couple months. I don't know how many of them will be realistic, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether uh, Brendan Shanahan and Dave Nonis start to remake the uh the, the face of this franchise uh, before March the second, or if they're going to wait till the summer. But uh, we'll definitely have you on a, more than a few times between now and then. And I really appreciate you coming on the sh- coming on the show again. Thanks, Bill.
1: Thanks, Mike. My pleasure. I'll talk to you when you need me. Uh, for Bill Waters,
0: this is Michael Logello of HockeyBuzz.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again real soon.